This is The Guardian. Today, the NHS nurses stuck paying hefty fees for trying to switch jobs. Every week, Becca Adjuman uploads a new video for her thousands of YouTube followers. Welcome or welcome back to another video. Sometimes she talks about what it's really like to be an endoscopy nurse working for the NHS. This is going to be a vlog video for those of you who requested a typical day in my life at work. So I did a video where I stated that I was working in the endoscopy unit. Or about her experience as a Ghanaian of being a migrant here in the UK. And I also thought of doing a video and talking to you guys, encouraging you and giving you some juicy tips and some coping mechanisms that you should use if you are a migrant residing here in the UK. Or what the options are for childcare for a mother of three. Your husband or your partner has a relative, an elderly person. You should choose somebody who granting a visa to that person will be easier. Or just, you know what she did on her holiday. And today I'm on a holiday in Turkey, Istanbul. And I want to take you guys along to show you some beautiful, magnificent places in Istanbul. She's driven, upbeat, and most of all, she's practical. Becca faces challenges head on, and she talks about them. Like the difficulty she faced when she first moved to the UK for work. Initially, I, I thought I would stay there, settle there, and bring my kids over there and then, I mean, so I didn't have any plan of moving. It was after I moved and realized that it wasn't going to work for me, I needed to move. But even Becca wasn't prepared for what it would cost her to leave her NHS job. So I went back for the contract and read it again and I knew I was supposed to pay something. But I didn't know how much. Across the NHS and the private care sector, foreign nurses like Becca are facing bills of thousands of pounds because of the fine print in their contracts. These little known conditions are called repayment clauses. They're there to stop health workers recruited from overseas from leaving their post early. But they leave foreign nurses vulnerable to bullying and mistreatment and sometimes saddle them with debt. From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, repayment clauses and the nurses who can't afford to change jobs. Becca, when did you decide you wanted to become a nurse? Well, I had the passion since childhood. So I remember back in school, I'll take up some minor rules like being the school nurse. It wasn't something really serious, but to look after my colleagues together with the proper school nurse. And why did you want to come to the UK? Since my childhood, I have family here. So anytime they come on holiday and they're coming back to the UK, I always wanted to come with them, but it wasn't possible. So I love the UK because my family was here and they always talk about the exciting opportunities that are here, how life is about the weather, because back home we have just the hot season and then the rainy season, but they talk about the snow and everything, which we haven't experienced before. (laughs) 
Do you remember what it was like when you first received your job offer? It was really, really exciting. I was really looking forward to it. So the day I had my job offer, myself and my family were all so, so excited. I couldn't sleep that day. I was very happy. And how did you celebrate? (laughs) We didn't celebrate in any way because it was, the COVID was there. So I think there was lockdown in my country. Just the joy and singing praises and everything. In September 2020, Becca arrived in the south of England to start work as an NHS nurse in a small town. She was excited, but the culture shock was real. She missed her three children back home in Accra in Ghana. And even the weather wasn't quite as appealing as she'd imagined. It's not just cold, but it's windy and extremely cold for me because from where I come from, it's very hot. So the weather was the first shock. The second shock I had, I think probably is because of where I was. People are friendly, but you don't know anybody. So nobody talks to you like, you know, the way you have support bubbles around back home. People are coming to you to talk to you. You are going to people to talk to them. So it was more of work and home. You just go to work. After work, you come home. Once you come home, it's just you and your room and your movies or talking to family back home. And then also another shock was the work itself because the shifts were quite long and very demanding. So it was a lot of things going on together. So after 10 months, you made this decision to move to another job in the NHS, but this time in London, which I guess you figured might feel more like Accra, plus you had family there. But moving from one NHS nursing job to another wasn't quite that straightforward, was it? No, it wasn't. What happened? So before, most of the times when you are coming, you are given a a work contract. And in the work contract, it states everything, including refund policy or repayment policy when you are leaving your job before a specific period of time. So with mine, it stated that when you are leaving before two years, you are supposed to refund 100% of every cost that was incurred whilst bringing you from overseas. What did that cost look like for you? Mine was 3,500. How did you feel like knowing that you had to pay that three and a half thousand pounds? Initially, it was... (laughs) Well, I thought, um, as I've worked there for some time, I was expecting there to be a kind of a reduction because obviously you've worked there, you have contributed a lot, which I did, especially because I moved in the pandemic. But a contract is a contract and it's a legal document. So once it is signed, nothing can be changed about it. It wasn't fair, but I've already signed it. I have agreed, so I have to pay. So they gave me a payment plan of how they were going to deduct it. So I realized it was going to be taken from two months. I wasn't going to receive salary at all. Wow. Yeah, so two months. I know for that two months, I'm not going to take anything at all. What did that mean for your family back home? I mean, for two months, you weren't making any money. How did you support yourself? How did you support them? It wasn't easy. But I'm grateful for a supportive family and an an understanding family. My parents are doing well for themselves. So that parental pressure isn't there. But I have kids. And 
So I just had to tell my parents to support me with the kids for that two months. Shanti Das, you're a reporter for The Observer, and we've just heard from Becca, someone you spoke to for your reporting on this story. And she told me how after coming to the UK from Ghana to work as a nurse, she moved from one NHS trust to another. And because of a repayment clause on her contract with the first trust, she was then on the hook for three and a half thousand pounds. So can you start, first of all, by explaining to us what a repayment clause is? So it's a clause in a contract for nurses who are coming to work in the UK from overseas and it stipulates that if they leave within a certain period of time usually two years or three then they'll have to repay costs associated with their recruitment. And how are those costs justified by the trusts or by the private care sector? So they say there's a really big costs associated with recruiting from overseas so it costs between £10,000 and £12,000 to recruit so that's things like the flights sometimes it's also visas and language exam fees which can rack up quite quickly and then some trusts will also pay for accommodation at the beginning so that the nurse can get settled and find their feet before they actually you know have to find their own accommodation so they say that they need to have these clauses in place in order to protect their investment. And on the one hand, this was in the contract that Becca signed, but should it have been in the contract? Because it does sound to me, having read your stories, a bit like indentured labour. What did legal experts tell you? In some cases, there's a suggestion they might be unlawful, but in most cases, it's more of an ethical issue. So legal experts and the UK's own codes on international recruitment of healthcare workers say that the employers should pay the cost associated with recruitment as they would with workers in the UK. How common are these repayment clauses across the NHS? Does every trust use them to recruit staff from abroad? So we found not every trust use them. Some trusts take on the costs themselves, but they are common. And we found that essentially NHS employers, which represents NHS trust, says that they are standard practice. And it recommends, you know, that trusts use them to recoup costs. Wow. So even though legal experts say that this isn't an ethical practice, It's astonishing that it's actually recommended by the NHS. Shanti, I wonder how you felt when you first came across these stories and what your response was when you began listening to the accounts that nurses gave you. Yeah, I mean, it was quite upsetting, honestly. I obviously tried to remain emotionless when working on stories, but I spoke to a nurse who had been really excited about coming to the UK she'd seen ads on Facebook about how brilliant it would be and how it would be a dream and a great opportunity and she'd saved up lots of money her parents had remortgaged their land at home in the Philippines and she'd really been excited she said she had friends who worked in the UK who had beautiful jobs and were really enjoying their time there and um when she actually got here she she came in the height of the pandemic and she found that it was just completely far more difficult than she thought it would be but still she was working 12-hour shifts she was on a critical care ward and working really hard and she contracted covid a few months into her time here and after that she suffered ongoing health problems uh, physical health problems and also mental health problems i felt really sorry for her because she just felt really scared um her parents it was the beginning of the pandemic her parents were elderly and, and miles away and she was working in this new country you know she she wanted to leave and was told that she would have to repay seven thousand pounds wow 
what what fraction is that of her salary? It was equivalent to three months worth of pay for her. And she just said that that was something that she couldn't afford. And so she felt really frightened. And I think that was something that came up in a lot of the conversations I had with charities and other people as well, that in some cases, nurses will save up money, borrow money, take out loans. So nurses are getting into debt working for the NHS? Yeah, we found that people were having to take out loans in order to repay the money. And in fact, it was even worse in the, the, the care sector, in the private care sector. You know, in the cases with the NHS, it tended to be sort of £5,000, £6,000, £7,000 with the private care homes because there's just so much less oversight. We heard about one case where it was £14,000 that a nurse was told they'd have to repay for leaving within three years. know that the NHS and the care sector suffers from really major staffing shortages but how has it come to rely so much on recruiting from overseas? The Royal College of Nursing estimates there's a shortage of about 40,000 nurses in the UK at the moment and we've lost thousands of nurses who came to the UK from the EU since 2017 so about 8,000. We've also had a a large number of UK nurses leaving and particularly during the pandemic but even before that. In the UK, there has been a mass exodus of healthcare workers in the NHS. Uh, over 27,000 staff left from July to September in 2021. That's the most in any quarter on record. In order to plug the gap, we've increasingly been turning to India and the Philippines in particular in order to recruit nurses. In the year to September alone, there were 7,000 from India and 5,000 from the Philippines. The government is committed to recruiting more nurses. And even though we're investing in that in the UK, we can't meet the demand purely with domestic workers. You know, trusts and care homes can save a great deal of money within the first year even of recruiting from overseas. So one agency that helps with international recruitment estimates that employers save £18,500 in agency costs in the first year alone. So it's actually cheaper to recruit from overseas? In the long run, it is. When they come to the UK, the nurses are pretty much you know, packaged and ready to go. They've done their training in the home country. They're already qualified. Usually they've worked for a few years and they're really experienced. So how do the NHS actually go about hiring people from, say, India or the Philippines? So in some cases, they recruit directly. So that will often be through, initially, ads on Facebook. Ako po si Rowena. Nagtatrabaho po ako sa Derby Hospitals. At um, dumating po ako dito sa... Or ads in a particular town or city that encourage people to apply directly for a job so they're actively recruiting and often there'll be trips where managers will go to those countries an investigation by the telegraph recently found that nhs has spent three million pounds on trips going overseas to recruit people are very polite everybody's just lovely and everything went well for me They also rely quite heavily on recruitment agencies in a lot of cases. So these are private companies that will almost act as a middleman, finding potential recruits in the overseas country and then trying to link them up with an NHS trust or a care home in the UK. I wanted to move to London because it's one of the best cities in the world. We had few doctors whom we got in contact with and they said it's really good. The consultants are really nice here. We also looked at how 
NHS trusts and recruitment agencies were promoting roles in the UK. And that was often through Facebook ads, which said things like, your UK dream awaits you. One of them invited nurses from India to join NHS heroes in the UK. Um, And often they really emphasised the recruitment benefits and sort of the relocation package. So one of them said, you know, you get free visa, free flight tickets, free accommodation at the start. But it's not free, is it? Well, this was it. I mean, I think there seems very much to be a disconnect between how roles were being promoted to candidates and then the reality when they got there. So that's the picture across the NHS. But back to the individuals involved in this, do they even realise that they're signing these clauses? In some of the cases, the nurses told me that they did realise that there was a clause in their contract that said that if they left within a certain period, they would have to repay a certain amount. But often the clauses weren't clear in spelling out exactly how much that would be. In other cases that charities told me about, the workers said that they hadn't seen those clauses in the contracts that they signed so they were given one contract when they were in the home country that didn't spell out they'd have to, to pay this money or they were shown ads or they were, when they were given the job offer they weren't told that they'd have to pay anything back but then when they actually arrived in the UK they were given another contract or it was only at that point that they were told they'd have to repay and obviously by that stage they'd already invested in coming here. I'm guessing that just the existence of these clauses and how hard those clauses made it for them to leave their jobs, that it could potentially make them more vulnerable in their posts. Did you come across any instances of people being treated worse because their bosses or even their colleagues knew that they couldn't leave? We heard from charities and from the Royal College of Nursing that in some cases, workers who tried to leave were threatened with deportation or were told that they wouldn't be able to have a reference if they left. You know, they had no option but to stay or they felt they had no option but to stay. Susan Quaver from the charity Canlungan, which is a charity for Filipino migrants, in particular said that she had been contacted by workers who had had to stay in their jobs despite um, bullying and other issues because they were scared that if they left, they wouldn't be able to pay. And she and several others who I spoke to likened the clauses to a form of debt bondage, which is where, you know, a worker has to stay in a role to repay a debt. And let's not also forget that people like Becca, they joined the NHS came to this country in the middle of a pandemic. So on top of all the usual stresses of moving to a new place, starting a new life, they also could be subject to being lonely or traumatised or mistreated or even bullied. And yet still, they just couldn't leave. Yeah, I think that's the really important thing to say, really, is that these nurses have come to the UK to help us plug a shortage, a desperate shortage. We're absolutely desperate for nurses and these nurses have come to the UK, um, often uprooted their lives in search of a better life for themselves, but also providing such a vital service. And if any other worker, you know, if, if I went to go and work in a care home or an NHS trust and I just found it really difficult, if I didn't get on with colleagues, then there would be that option to potentially move to another another employer. But for them, that option that option didn't exist. Coming up, if repayment clauses are known to be unethical, will there now be an inquiry into why the NHS uses them? (laughs) 
I'm Grace Dent and I am back for third helpings of comfort eating from The Guardian. Join me and more celebrity guests like Big Zoo, James May and self-esteem as we throw the cupboard doors wide open on the comfort foods that have seen them through. This is a niche sexual thing for people. Uh. Northern women (laughs) eating carbohydrates. Comfort eating returns on the 17th of May with new episodes released every Tuesday. Comfort Eating with Grace Dent is supported by Ocado. Shanti, from everything you've uncovered, it seems like this is a practice that's been going on for years. Why do you think it is that we're only just hearing about it now? So interestingly, it seems like it's something that is happening more commonly now and it's becoming a bigger problem as we recruit more heavily from overseas. Some of the nurses that I spoke to who came to the UK 15, 20 years ago weren't subject to these clauses. It's not exactly clear when they started to be used widely, but it seems to be becoming a bigger problem. One of the nurses that I spoke to from the British Indian Nursing Association, which represents Indian nurses in the UK, said they thought that part of the reason it perhaps hadn't come up before is that labour laws in India aren't as strong as in the UK and so maybe the workers that were coming here didn't realise that they were being subject to clauses in their contracts that their UK colleagues weren't. So it seems that it's partly a lack of awareness potentially among some workers that they're being treated differently and in other cases it seems to be you know and I'm told that people are just frightened to raise concerns they're frightened they'll lose their job they're frightened that their future employment prospects in the UK will be damaged if they speak out and so they're far less likely to raise concerns in the first place. Since you first reported on this story what's been the response to it from both the Department of Health and from NHS staff themselves? The response was really one of shock. There were lots of NHS workers, UK NHS workers who contacted me and they said that they were, they had no idea that their colleagues who they were working alongside were subject to these clauses. The Department of Health said that it was aware that some employers used repayment clauses to recoup upfront costs where candidates did not meet the terms of their contract. But it said it'd be concerned if the repayment costs were disproportionate or punitive. So given the shock and, uh, you know, the level of disgust at realising that this exists, does that mean something is happening? Are repayment clauses actually just going to carry on? Or is there any proposed reform of recruitment? Initially, there was a huge backlash. Nursing associations representing nurses from different countries um, spoke out about it. And I'm told that there is discussion behind the scenes where different groups, unions, charities have been raising it with government. But currently, nothing so far has changed. Shanti, more broadly, the NHS is a revered institution in this country and a lot is made of its and the care sector's diverse workforce. But what do you think this story tells us about how we treat workers from overseas that the NHS relies on to function? I think it shows us a bit of a disconnect in how we think about the contribution of international workers. I mean, clearly we've relied really heavily on overseas nurses throughout the pandemic and before and will continue to in the future. The family of an NHS consultant who died yesterday after contracting coronavirus has thanked the public for their messages and support. Amjadil Harani was an ear, nose and throat specialist based in Staffordshire. It's also worth remembering that hundreds of healthcare workers and nurses from overseas died during the pandemic while working in the NHS and in the wider care sector and the first three healthcare workers to die from COVID in the UK were from overseas. 
we obviously there's great respect for nurses and other healthcare workers in the UK but it just shows that sadly in some cases the recruiters are looking at the amount of money that it costs to hire and sometimes putting those nurses in a really really difficult position having to pay out huge amounts of money when they've already sacrificed a great deal to come here in the first place. Becca, you've now made that full payment to your original NHS employer and you've moved to London and you've got a new job. And I know from watching your YouTube that you have this very positive, upbeat perspective on life. But even so, when you look back at the experience that you've had, do you think foreign workers are treated fairly by the NHS? I don't think so. Because now a lot of people are planning Some have even started working towards it to leave the UK for the US. Do you think that these repayment clauses should be gotten rid of? It should. Some people are not happy in their jobs. They are very Mm. unhappy. But they are only there because they don't have the money to pay. They're stuck. Yeah, they are stuck. I I can imagine how it would feel like not being happy and working. Not being happy... It affects the care you are giving. You are unable to smile with your patient. You are unable to open up at work. It affects a lot of things. So if people are not happy and they want to change their jobs because of one reason or the other, this clause, the money is still too much. Well, Becca, I'll be following your journey and I'm just thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you as well for having me. That was Becca Arjuman. My thanks to her and to Shanti Das from The Observer. You can read Shanti's piece on this story, Trapped and Destitute, How Foreign Nurses' UK Dreams Turned Sour, at theguardian.com. Right after we recorded this conversation with Shanti, we got in touch with the Department of Health And they've now told us they are reviewing the code of practice for international recruitment in the health and care sector. We're told an updated code of practice, which will be published in the summer, will include guidance on how repayment clauses can be used in an appropriate and proportionate way. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Sammy Kent. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producers are Mythley Rao and Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.